To the first ever episode of Soapboxing with Corian, presented by Arctic Media. This is the podcast where we take pressing issues in the soap opera world, break them down, debate, and discuss them with our panel of soap experts. Today we'll be touching on pretty much the hottest button issue in the whole world right now, Black Lives Matter. The main question being, when will Black Lives Matter in soap operas? Today's panel consists of some of my favorite Black voices in the soap opera world, from Ashley, Ryan, Rodrigo, and Trish. How is everyone today? Good. Doing well. Good, buddy. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Pretty good. Great. Welcome. I'm so glad everyone is here. Very excited to break all of this down. It's been like kind of a traumatic last few weeks mm-hmm. for... Mm-hmm every black person in the entire world (laughs) and (laughs) it's gonna be i feel like it'll be very therapeutic to kind of get all of these issues and concerns that i know most of us have had for a very long time to kind of get them out in the air and hopefully it could help lead to some sort of you know course of action for these people who have unfortunately not been so supportive of us so I'm very, very, very looking forward to to getting into this, but for everyone listening, I want you to be sure to use the hashtag SoapboxingPod when listening. We'd love to hear from you and incorporate your ideas into future episodes. So to kick it off, I have a really big question for all of you, and I wanna hear everyone's take on this, so feel free to go in whichever order you'd like to. But if we really think about our current world after COVID, after quarantine, after all these production halts, all of the you know Black Lives Matter protests and, and everything going on in the world. After all of this, do you honestly think our soap operas will survive another decade? Well, just really, just really think about it. The, the, world, the world has changed. The who world has to, changed in so many ways. Well, who, who wants to tackle that first? So, you know, 10 years, that's questionable. Okay, that's questionable. <laughs> five, I do believe they will last five years on live TV. So here's my opinion. If the networks are smart, then they'll go to streaming because streaming is where it's at, right? Mm. I mean, I, I know the ratings now are... You know, the ratings are down now, mostly mm-hmm. because um, we have them showing reruns, right? I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of people just don't want to see, sh- see stories they've seen before. So in the beginning of the quarantine, when they had new shows and people were at home, then, yeah, the ratings were higher. But as they ran out of shows, then they had to go back into the stores and get old shows. And, <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody really wants to see it, especially when it's not a full story. So. True. I think they went about the wrong way, right? I think they should have 
chose some iconic stories and played the entire story because part of soaps mm -hmm. is the addiction to watching it over and over now you want to see what's happening with the story. So if you go in, you just say, oh, I'm going to give you one flash in the pan show. That's not going to work for soap fan. It's not going to work. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I, I Honestly, if I had to look at it, I would say that I probably do believe that they'll be around in 10 years. Uh, just because, it, you know, on a good day, depending on the writer, YNR still pulls in more ratings than a lot of primetime shows. If you're still pulling in 4.5 to 5 million people a day during the good times, not recently, but mm -hmm. during the Pratt era, come on, man. We couldn't, we sat up here and talked a lot of stuff on, on Chuck Pratt, and he was still pulling in over 5 million viewers a day. Yeah. I, I still think that they would look at that and say that would outweigh the negative however i do agree that you know it might be in a different format it might not be live every day it might be streaming it might you know i think television in general is going to have to change over the next 10 years but i don't i can't see the cbs soaps going anywhere now the other two girl i don't know but <laughs> cbs soaps <laughs> i just feel like the audience for the cbs soaps and the vehicle around them are just a they're just they're not as strong as they used to be but they're still pretty strong that's true but you know like well one of the issues there is like you know we hear it all the time they say well the audience is dying the audience is aging and dying off so yeah. you, you have this this huge uh number like 4.5 million but your demo it's like 600,000 that is yeah, mm, so, good point. And, and they're not even reaching out for new viewers. So, see, if you want to do ten more years of soap operas, stop reaching out to the same old people and like start just thinking beyond the box. If this doesn't change you when you come back from your from the COVID um, experience, like you don't come up with new storylines, you don't come up with new innovative ideas. You see what's going on out there. Black Lives Matter. If nothing in your creative juices will get you going when you come back from mm -hmm. this, then maybe I, you deserve I, to be canceled. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you deserve to go. Oh, you deserve yeah, to go. I don't, I don't and think I'm they so, deserve I, I, another decade. I know, no. If you're going to do the same shit for, I'm sorry, if you're going to do the same thing for ten years, I don't. I'm not going to hang on to that because I've been through enough <laughs> mess with hmm. soap operas, especially yeah. as a black viewer. I've yes. been through enough of yep. the bull, and yep. I, I'll give you five years, maybe, but ten. Mm -mm. I, I'm moving on. There's oh. other things coming up. There's all these other app streaming mm -hmm. channels you can go to. They're doing their own soaps. They're doing their own storylines. They're doing their own thing, and daytime is still doing the same thing over and over again. Y'all mm -hmm. know that. Y'all know that I tried on. to be. Y'all know that I tried to be. For the longest time, tried to be very optimistic and like pro soap and and all of that. And it's they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve another decade. They continue to go to the well, retelling the same tired tropes, the same tired stories, the same tired people, and they've done nothing in the face of a decade ago when we had nine soaps on the air. 
Mm. And now we're down to four. They have watched as these shows have been canceled one by one, and they've done nothing to try to change up the formula, to try to reach out to new viewers, or to try to even bring back the people who once tuned out. Mm -hmm. And as a viewer who put up with their mediocrity for so long, I'm tired of it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. If they don't, like Rodrigo said, if they don't come out of this with, um, you know, a wake-up call and they're trying to tell different types of stories, then you do not deserve another five years, let alone 10. Mm -hmm. they're, they're antiquated. They are being left behind for, right. uh, for the soaps that used to be ahead of everyone and telling, you know, ambitious, groundbreaking stories to see the, the, this, the bottom well that they are now circling. It's really sad, man. And I think that really, that thinking was actually what really in inspired me to, to do this discussion. Because if we really go back and think about it, soap operas are as much an institution as let's say, you know, some of the corrupt police departments across America, you know, these things, mm -hmm. these right. processes that they have, the way that they've been behaving and operating have been the same for some shows for more than 50 years. And- well, And rooted the in day, the same systemic racism. Exactly. And at the end of the day, we're in 2020. And if you look back on those 50 years of history, as we've mentioned, as many have mentioned in countless podcasts and, and articles and interviews, the Black audience has always been the most loyal, the most engaged with all of these shows. And yet we're still the most underrepresented. So I, I think if we really think about, like we we're saying over this next decade, things are going to change culturally. Whether it's for the better or for the worse, the way we're all going to come out of this as a country is going to be completely different than the way that we went into it. So I, I think my thinking is like, do you think if we look back to 10 years ago when a lot of the shows were canceled, especially like the Procter and Gamble shows that used to, you know, push the Procter and Gamble products. Like that was like one of their biggest things with the shows. Like they love to use that as a vehicle for their product placement, but like for them to fully give up on that show, on, on those two shows to fully give up on them and not even care about, you know, like we were saying, the 4 million, 5 million viewers that they were getting. How long until this culture shift, you know, really affects these shows? Do you think they're going to come back immediately and start thinking of these issues? Or do you think that we're going to, you honestly think that we're going to see the same old, same old? <laughs> Can I can I be the pessimist of the group? <laughs> Lay it on us. These shows will be canceled before they change their model. I, I firmly you know what, believe Ashley? that. I firmly yeah. believe it. They would rather cancel than to to see anything change that is representative of the audience. That's just my opinion. I, I don't see it changing. They will go into their graves saying, hey man. We cater to the flyover states, and that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And nothing's going to change unless the behind-the-scenes people change. Because mm -hmm. you'll right. see the you, you. I think the only black executive producer, I think, is Albert Lard Days. And I didn't even know he was black, so I, that was Same. surprised by that. So I was <laughs> like, okay, that's that's cool. But like the other shows, you don't have any representation. 
And like one of my girls said, Victoria Rowe, we'll bring her up later. Um, she was screaming about this for years. And that right. could have made a difference if someone actually listened instead of, you know, thinking she was just angry and wanted to start stuff behind the scenes, but she was actually trying to make a change. But I, I mean, it starts from the from the top as well. So they don't recognize what we can bring. They don't recognize the black dollar. They don't recognize the black audience that's always been there for them, for the shows, good or bad. Because I've been through some real bad shit with um, with soaps like for a yeah. long time, and I just stuck. I just stuck to it because I was just loyal. And that's another thing we we have loyalty. We're loyal to stuff. It's, if you're gonna give it to us, we're gonna we're gonna watch it. But but why be loyal to something that doesn't care about you? Yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel like that's right. gonna be the question. Yeah, that a lot of viewers, black or white or you know any other race, any other one who or anyone else who's like an ally to you know, the mission of Black Lives Matter and everything going on in the world. I think that is going to be a major question. It's going to be like, if you don't represent what I believe in, why should I give you my business? Why should I give you my viewership? Mm -hmm. And I think that these shows, like Ashley said, are going to see that very quickly if they don't very quickly make those changes. And like Ashley well, said, I personally doubt that they will. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I mean, they're already seeing it. This is why their demo is 600 million viewers, right? Because they did make the change. Nielsen has issued a report every year. They issued a report every year. I think it was a couple years ago. They issued one about, about Black women. And one of the things they talked about in there was the loyalty, the brand loyalty, mm. the buying power, right? The way that Black women... Um, lead and we're at the forefront of culture, right? And yeah. one of the things that are important to younger black women is they support shows and brands that are involved in the social changes that they care about. So the Young and the Restless and General Hospital in days or daytime in general, they have ignored the report. It's not like they don't know, they know. They just ignore right. it. Mm. So I agree with Ashley. They won't change. Yeah. Like every racist in America, they would rather die slowly than see any ground. And that's just what it is. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I know that some people are going to listen to this particular segment and call out the same two names that we've been hearing over and over as far as Michelle Von Jean and Susan Dansby. I understand mm -hmm. that. I respect that they are there. I also mm -hmm. recognize that they don't have as much power as you guys think they do. Because right. if they did, I'm I can't for certain say, but I believe that Susan Dansby was at YNR for a large part of the characterization of Hillary Curtis. Mm -hmm. She was there. Okay, so, so in the five years that she got trashed on that show. Right. Susan Dansby couldn't do anything about it. Michelle Von Jean, I believe she was there for the Avons, and the Avons were great, but she couldn't yep. stop them right. from being completely written off the show one by one. She couldn't stop that. So yes, we recognize that these uh, amazing women do exist behind the scenes, but right. you guys are calling them out as being these oracles that they're not. They are right. literally just there for script writing, some ideas. They cannot <laughs> the culture by themselves. They just can't. Right. Nope. Well, and well, here's the, the reason thing. why they and don't... I, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, here's, here, here's the thing when, when it comes to that. I think 
people do tout most soap opera writers, whether they like one story, two stories, or, you know, a complete arc, they tout them as this oracle, as this person who can save the show just because they connected with the material that they have. But people don't understand things like executive structure and how mm-hmm. businesses work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's never that easy, but you also have to look at it, even though these women are Black women and, you know, they are in the creative departments of this show, they're also still women of a certain age as well. So you also have to think about that. There's been no, like, has there been any new Black talent on any of these shows? Any no. Any Black talent that can reach out to these people? Like, the soap opera industry in general is very, I feel like it's very cannibalistic. It's always, like, the same people coming in, uh-huh. being eaten yes. alive, being thrown out, and then coming back in. And the fans take to that, and the fans want that for some reason. But that's because not it's all they know. It's all they know. It's like it's like they're in an abusive relationship with the genre. You know, you keep going back to your abuser because that's what the soaps are. That's what the creative structure is. That's what this industry structure is. You have, you know, Rodrigo and Trish talked about the value of the black viewer, right? And and the black consumer. They don't value it because they don't respect the black body. They don't respect the black person. And if they did, it would show it would show it in their stories. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. you you see when you have reports that black women are some of the most valuable consumers. Right. And that the black needle can make the difference between a a, a flop or success. And right. you continue to ignore that by undermining and under um, representing black women. And when you do have black women on screen, you treat them as such as these, you know, out antiquated stereotypes that you put forth and you don't have them embrace or acknowledge their blackness. They are a black woman and what you see, usually not darker than, you know, a paper bag. Um, right. But they're not black they're not culturally black and not saying that that black culture is monolithic because it's not but what is it about lily winters or hillary curtis or jordan ashford or maya avant when she was around or lonnie price on days that culturally connects them to who they are as black people Sure. You the know, the reason why you don't get it is because you have Caucasians writing these right. people, and Caucasians oh, right. don't know the black experience, yeah. they, so they mm-hmm. can't write. And they I don't write. trust them to write it. I don't mm-hmm. trust them to write it. No. Right. And oh. on top of that, I think it's also important that we also state that when we're asking for representation behind the scenes, we mean in every facet behind the scenes. Correct. I don't know if Trish remembers this, but I remember when me and Trish realized that there was a black woman doing Michelle Morgan's hair. We flipped the hell out. Yes. We're, yes, we're like, yes. see her curls? Holy crap. Oh, oh, her the curls. Curls. <laughs> curls are popping. We were obsessed with that. Again, I think Michelle posted a picture where she was like in the chair and there was a black woman behind her and we went crazy. And yeah. the first thing we said was we knew of something different we about her hair. Something changed because she went from this weird flat ironed overheated <laughs> straight yeah. vest to these curls. We were like, oh my God, they hired a black woman. I don't and think they were so bouncy there. Exactly. I don't right. know if she's still there or not. But also when we ask for it, we also have to look at let's say Lauren Lott having to go on her Instagram and say, hey guys. They don't know how to light me. So everybody coming into my comments saying how dark I look 
on screen versus how dark I look in on my pictures. They don't know how to like me. I can't do anything about that. When she posted that, my heart broke because I mm-hmm. knew exactly what she was talking about. Candace Patton has talked about it. We need people behind the scenes who can make us feel, look and feel as beautiful as we believe we are. And right. we don't Amen. have any other. It's yep. 2020 and the fact that we're still getting like so many firsts for black characters like like Eli and Lonnie are like going to be the first black wedding on Days of Our Lives. The show has been on for more than 50 years. We're like excited about seeing Lonnie have braids because yeah. when is the last time you've seen yeah. a black character on a soap opera with braids? These are right. these are little things. Like we want our characters to be lit properly. Like mm-hmm. these are things that are solved very easily. Easily solvable. Like black people were not invented 10 years ago. There's no way that you can't tell me that you cannot find someone who works in lighting that understands how to light a person of every single color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it really, like you said, Ashley, it has to be for every single role behind the scenes, whether they're black, they're Asian, they're Latino, like there needs to be people who understand that from the top down, from execs all the way through the creative team. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag open the door. Hashtag right? open the door. Because so, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say that there's from lighting, from costume and set design to hair and makeup to directors to you know, um, scenic photographers. All of these people, there is a wealth of Black creatives out there who are just waiting for an opportunity to get a chance. You have young, hungry people fresh out of film school, fresh out of college, who are just looking for that chance, and they can't get it because it's such a boys club. As Ashley has said on our take media, as she has said on the TV Source podcast, as she has said on her Twitter, it's about, hmm, I almost said something I shouldn't have said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, 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 such a, it's such a closed-minded um, industry. And for industry that's supposed to be for women, it's predominantly run by men. All male executive producers, almost all male head writers. And not saying that a female writer makes you better because hello Dina Higley um but for a genre that's supposed to be for women how do you not have female representation yeah. it's been like that for years I mean you're right Ryan it is the old white it's the old white boys club on daytime um and it's all white executive producers and all white head writers and it's, it's just been a pattern that's been gone for years and years and years. And like I said, if this doesn't change them, we, you want another 10 years of the same thing going over and over again, and you're right. going to see the viewers drop. I guarantee and, you that. You're going to see the viewers drop. And what I need from, you know, to go back to, to what you were saying, Rodrigo, to, to, to the, if we're thinking about post-pandemic, post, you know, Black Lives Matter protests and all of these things. What I need for the soap viewer, whether you're Black or if you're a non-Black ally, I need for you to be vocal 
with these shows to speak up and let them know these concerns to their faces like tweet them as much as you want you know fly a plane over the lot like you always do i know y'all have the money for it you know get these messages out there because people need to hear these things there have been you know from my company um where i work and like other places there have been these really awesome initiatives from people from white people in power who have been donating their time to tutor and network with black professionals who don't have access into these all boys clubs and like if we don't see anything public like that from these shows then i'm gonna fully understand their position on these matters you know but I really need all of the viewers to really speak up and hold them accountable and not settle for less like we have for the last 50 years. Hmm. Would be nice, wouldn't it? Yep. It would be nice. Let me just go back to, you know, Ryan's point about, you know, hiring a new talent and having um, Black people behind the scenes in every role. So... I know you guys probably don't laugh, but I have another another study I want to because you know I'm an engineer, so we love about the numbers. I, I bring, care about the numbers. Bring the facts. Oh, bring the numbers. So, so it, there was a study in 2012 done by UCLA. I think it was the um, Center for Multicultural Studies, and they found that um, show TV shows that had diverse writers and a diverse cast, diverse producers those shows actually had higher ratings than shows that did not. So people want to see shows with diversity and they want to see authentic diversity. So it, so it really boggles the mind that daytime, and they know these things, that daytime still persists in not following the trends. Everybody remembers when, you know, um, Empire first came out and they had these high ratings, right? Mm -hmm. So we had... Uh, every network were putting out these shows with all these black leads and daytime. They were still stuck. They did nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And we wrote them letters. Remember we were um, we were trying to um, how, how do I want to say it? Force their hand I guess. Mm -hmm. And we were campaigning. Yep. We wrote them all kinds of letters pointing out the facts because this is how I know these facts because you know I understand it's a business. I'm trying to let you know this is what you need to do to increase your viewership. It's a business. I get it. The facts back us up, but they still don't do it. They still don't do it. Right. And that kind of ties into my next question. Um, have any of the show, I haven't fully been paying attention. I'll be 100% honest because I don't really subscribe to a lot of the shows. <laughs> but have any of the U.S. soap operas mentioned anything around this issue have there been any no. black lives matter posts have there been mm. any anti-racist posts any kind of no. thing what they did was cbs nbc abc put out statements and the soap operas retweeted them <laughs> that's it and and there you have it <laughs> they retweeted the i saw because i went to the ynr account and they just retweeted the blanket ass just bare minimum statement from cbs that's mm -hmm. the, none of the shows have come out and said yes we're going to do a better no take this little retweet and go on about your business is basically what they said um we just talked about for the last 30 minutes yeah. has been proven true exactly <laughs> 
Can can I read the YNR statement for a second, please? Oh, God. Because I have so many things to say about it. Black lives matter, period. First of all, let's just talk about the black on the black background with the white text. Right? I know. Everybody did it. <laughs> uh, TV source did it. We all did it. That was the thing, right? <laughs> so black lives matter, period. Black culture matters, period. Black communities matter, period. We stand in solidarity with our black colleagues, creators, partners, and audiences and condemn all acts of racism, discrimination, and senseless acts of violence. Now, this was then retweeted by the show's accounts. And I don't fault the social media managers. They're doing their job. But I found it ironic that a show that had a black actress who was forced to be paired romantically with someone who used racial epithets towards her, another who was blacklisted for speaking out about the treatment Ooh. of blacks. You wouldn't promote another black actress <laughs> who was the star of her primetime show and was not allowed to be on a TV Guide cover because they didn't consider her a lead and they didn't back her up. When you have numerous incidents of micro and macro aggressive behavior and instances where you just blatantly ignore what's going on because so-and-so is popular or we're not gonna cover it because it makes the soaps look bad. That's where this goes left because all of these statements are hollow. And until you start definitively taking substantive action, and I don't want to hear about, oh, we're going to open our diversity programs, and we're going to, we're going to include one writer in our rooms and, and hear their voices. That is diversity without sincerity. That is just, let's just yep. give this little thing, and hopefully the coloreds will be happy, and they'll, and they'll quiet down, and they'll move on. We're tired yep. of it. We are tired of it. CBS has a diversity program already, and yet there's been how many black writers that come from that program that go to the soaps? None. Weren't they just in trouble a couple years ago for not having any black leads on the primetime? Yep. Yes. Yeah. That was right before they came out with SWAT with uh oh what's his face? Oh well, cool, sir. <laughs> no, the other one, Shamar Moore. <laughs> Shamar Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the movie. <laughs> but I think that but but no, you like you were saying though, Ryan, the the fact that I, I think that's when it rings most hollow is knowing the way that especially CBS and Sony and Young and the Restless and to an extent Bold and the Beautiful have been some of the most egregious offenders. And then just to get a retweet of this, this, you know, Photoshop job <laughs> of a statement, it, it really just sort of just like drives home the point that they really don't care. And I really hope more people wake up to that uh, because it's not fair. And it's not fair that you are putting millions of dollars into these people's pockets without them Literally, they don't even care about your life. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But to kind of switch over, Ryan brought up a really great point to say, you know, we don't want insincere diversity. We want actual change. We want to see people that are familiar to us reflected in what we see in our favorite shows. I want to, to cross over. 
I know I'm not sure if Trish watches or if Rodrigo watches, but I did want to cross over and talk about Hollyoaks, which is our favorite British soap opera. Yeah. Which was embroiled in some controversy last week. <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah. So last week, Rachel Adadeji, who starred as Lisa Loveday, um, made a post on Twitter calling out the show for allowing her and her other Black castmates to to basically just like subject, subjecting them to microaggressions. You know, they didn't really have support. Mm-hmm. And I think when we think about the Black Lives Matter movement, we think mainly about the U.S. The U.S. is, as we've seen, volatile and lots of crazy things are going on here. But if you think about the U.K., racism in the U.K. is even more deep-rooted. It's an older country. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, a lot of these ideas on like imperialism and racism and classism all stemmed from that country. And it's funny because even there, they think that racism is only an American issue. But as we see from Rachel, who I will read her post to you, you can see that it's not just an American issue. So I'm just gonna touch on some of the parts that she brought up because it is a little long. But she mentioned uh, the fact that she's really disappointed with Hollyoaks' approach to showing solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Hollyoaks had announced that they were going to be doing a special podcast and that they had gone quiet for Blackout Tuesday on all their social media just in support. And what she brought up was that, did Black Lives Matter when I was told you're all the same by a makeup artist you employed and remains in employment till this day? Did Black Lives Matter when a number of black, female Black actors were forced to drastically change their hair, because if not, the viewers would not be able to tell them apart? <laughs> Do Black Lives Matter when my fellow Black castmates are deemed angry, aggressive, and too vocal? Did Black Lives Matter when we were referred to as Blackies by a senior member of the production team? Mm. Do oh. Black Lives really matter to you if over the last four years at Hollyoaks I've only worked with one Black director? And so she brought up these very specific issues which I was really glad about because number one, it's things that we've always talked about as well and that we also just brought up, you know, the need for, for Black creative talent and, and microaggressions. People don't understand that these little small things add up. Mm-hmm. And what they add up to is number one, to, to be hurtful to the person that they're being directed to, but they also add up to racism. People don't think that these little comments are racist, but they are. Okay. And that is one of the main issues. So I, I really wanted to talk to, because I know Ashley and Ryan watch, so I really wanted to hear what they thought when this huge news story dropped, because it really is a huge news story. It was even picked up by Variety in the US, and it's like, it, it was pretty much everywhere. So I really want to hear what were your thoughts when, we, when you heard that, you know, basically your favorite soap opera also is racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I will say that I was not surprised because racism exists in all forms, everywhere. Um, I was surprised that she came forward with it and now we know why. Um, I was happy that she did because Mm -hmm. even if you are putting forth a good example 
on screen, mm-hmm. there's always room for improvement behind the scenes. And you don't know until you shine a light on it, which is why it's very important to hashtag here Black women when yep. they come forward about these things because you have to make people uncomfortable and you have to educate people to the way that you're being treated because those type of things are happening on probably all types of different sets across the pond and here. Yep. And so I just, I was so proud of her for coming forward. And I just hope that Holly Oaks is committed to the investigation of her complaint and committed Mm -hmm. to making improvements um, behind the scenes and addressing these concerns. Because it wasn't just her who came forward with it. Some of the other Black cast spoke up in support of her um, as well and I was so happy to see that yeah um yeah I mean I was a little devastated again not surprised because racism is literally everywhere so I can't say that I was surprised by her statement I was a little bit taken aback because Hollyoaks puts up such a a, a great image of being diverse and inclusive which Mm -hmm. I don't I do not for one second believe that that's just fanfare. I don't think it's, oh, we're just going to give the illusion of being this. I still believe that they're the most diverse soap opera I've ever watched in my life. However, um, you know, the issues behind the scenes, I'm not, I I wasn't surprised. I was kind of happy that she said something about it. I remember when I first saw the Hollyoaks post about the podcast, I thought it was a little bit dumb as well i mean i was like i don't want to hear you talk about a podcast tell me what you're going to do you know on set behind the set i was like i don't want to hear a podcast (laughs) i just thought it was dumb so when she called it disingenuous i was like yeah yeah (laughs) um i i have had my own personal feelings about some things behind the scenes just based off of the show itself like i think a lot of people think that i rave about hollyoaks because i have you know the one black couple that I've been waiting for since, you know, Hillary and Devon. And, and that's why I watch Hollyoaks is a whole black couple. They don't, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> we won't talk about it. Yeah. They don't have a black couple. That's not why I'm watching. They have absolutely, they have tons of black characters, but they don't have a black couple. And I remember thinking to myself that that was a little, you know, strange. But I also remember making some comments about how the hair and makeup for these characters are the exact same every time they're on screen. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make too big of a deal of it because a lot of people, I think Mercedes is the only one who's allowed to change her look on the show. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't make too big of a deal of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad that she's not going to be on the show any longer. Obviously, she left the show prior to this. so I don't want people to think she got fired for this or anything. Yeah. That was confirmed by both the actress, her agency, and the show that she had already filmed her last scenes before she released this. So hopefully they they need to do better, obviously, and I hope they do. Um, I'm going to miss Lisa Loveday, but... Me too. I mean, again, it's not surprising, especially after, after what you said. I mean, come on. I don't think... I think UK invented racism. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, think- I mean, it literally came from their shores. It, it came from them. <laughs> so, I think what was the I think what was the best part that came out of it though, and is also vastly different to what we've seen exactly. throughout history in the US shows, 
yeah. is the way that her castmates all supported her. Mm-hmm. The castmates said, oh yeah, we agree. And the yeah. show was like, oh, we're going to look into this immediately. And exactly. like that like, happened at YNR. YNR like, we don't know what you're talking about. La, yep. la, 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 and la. It wasn't, and it wasn't <laughs> just the black castmates. The white castmates exactly. wrote up detailed moments where this happened. They apologized for not speaking up sooner, for not realizing that it was harmful and that it was racist and that it was hurtful. That support... I think, yeah. you know, touching back to what Ashley just said, that support made me trust more in this show because yeah. now I know that there there are people behind Rachel. If there are people that are in power at Hollyoaks and they, you know, don't see an issue with it, there seems to be more people who understand now and who mm-hmm. will educate and who will push for this because she's not the only Black person on the show, like Ashley was saying. You know, there are other black cast members. They've mentioned they've mentioned that they haven't had this experience. They mentioned that, you know, their experience has so far been positive, but obviously they understand and know that things need to change and to be better going forward. Mm-hmm. So that does give me hope. It was upsetting, like you said. Wasn't surprised by it. <laughs> no. Nope. Was not surprised one bit. But I'm really glad, you know, she packed her bags. And she dropped the bomb. <laughs> she <laughs> and left. Hopefully, she left. she's still leaving alive. Let's just cross our fingers that Lisa Murphy doesn't know. blow up or something. Yeah, you <laughs> never know with Hollyoaks. They might put her in like a wood chipper or something. Oh God! <laughs> this is where amplification matters. Like you said, Corian, it's so important when you do speak up and speak out mm-hmm. that you're not alone. That you do mm-hmm. have your people backing you. That's one of the things that has bothered me so much about what Candace Patton has had to go through at the CW. For those who don't know, Candace Patton is the star of The Flash. She plays Iris West Allen. And she has had to endure constant barrages of racism from the show's fans, Mm -hmm. from haters, micro and macro aggression from her Mm co-stars on her show and on the network. And Candace has not let it deter her from speaking up and speaking nope. out because she says, you know what? I'm going through this so that the next person doesn't have to. And she has spoken about lighting, about hair and makeup, about, you know, um, Iris's blackness and how she was just kind of, she was a black woman, but she was not connected to any type of black culture. You could take Iris and and put a white actress in the role and there would be no difference. And she talked about the need for there to be something to identify Iris to her culture. And though Grant Gustin has spoken up in defense of her in recent years, there was a time when he didn't. And I think her voice got a little bit louder when she saw she had her co-star, her co-star had her back and supported her at these panels and in interviews when she constantly talks about it. And yet she's still having to address it. She still had to work with a racist, misogynist, sexist pig and Hartley Sawyer, formerly of Mm -hmm. The Young and the Restless, who came to The Flash. I wonder if that's learned behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and and it's like, I, I see her speaking up and speaking out. And there have been people, oh, she's difficult. She's a diva. She's she's always making trouble. No. That, that's for common those, when black women speak out. 
for those of you who are listening yep. to this, if you are a young black creative male or woman or non-binary, speak out, speak out, speak up. You don't have to be quiet. We have been quiet for far too long. We have sat back and allowed people to treat us horribly because we have felt, you know what, it's better to go along to get along. And maybe if I keep my mouth shut, everything will be okay. I'll get my time, I'll get my due. And it doesn't happen. And there are right. people who are underqualified, getting better pushes than you, who are excelling, who are able to go on to that next level while you continue to endure these things and not speak out. Do it. Fuck and the that... system. Fuck this. I'm sorry, Corian. No, no. Exactly. Just, no, you're I'm, not I'm lying. so angry. <laughs> but I wanted so to say, angry. like, that actually really beautifully kind of brought me to, to what my next point was. Like you were saying, you know, Candace got more vocal, especially when she had the support of her white co-stars. I think what non-Black people need to understand, people who are allies and who are a part of this anti-racist movement, they need to understand that, yes, use your voice, but use your voice to help support and uplift the Black people who aren't being heard. Because unfortunately, we're still at a place where no matter how loud we scream, there's still going to be so many people who don't want to hear it. And unfortunately, we're still going to be needing the support of other people. So like, to tie back into INR, as you might have seen, I was recently very upset because I just saw one lone tweet from a white actress, Michelle Stafford. Oh. From Young and Restless. Here we go. <laughs> just one lone tweet in support of the movement where for years and years she helped to play into the narrative that Victoria Rowell was this loony person, pretty much, who couldn't take a joke, who, you know, was, was crazy. She was literally labeled crazy by so many people for speaking up about things that occurred directly to her. And that really upset me because, again, like I was saying, unfortunately, we still live in a world where people are going to value white voices. If you know this woman and you were there and you know what happened and you've seen what happened and you're not speaking up in support of that, then how genuine are you really mm. about caring about Black issues and Black people dying unjustly? all over the country and all over the world. How genuine are you really? So I really wanted to, I know Trish had some feelings, so I really wanted to, to touch over to, to her to hear what she thinks about this whole issue because Victoria Rowell, she tweets like once every quarter. So she came out of the <laughs> woodwork and she made sure that she reiterated all of her points. So I really wanted to hear uh, what you were thinking about this Trish. And then I'll go over to Ashley next too because I know that she, she uh, did a whole discourse on this too. Well, se several thoughts, several thoughts. Well, let me just preface it with this. You know, I am, I was a young black girl growing up in the black belt of Alabama and I saw Victoria Rowell on Young and the Restless. That's why I started watching the show. I was 11, 12 years old and I watched it for Victoria Rowell and Drusilla Barbara Ventures. So with that said, if Michelle Stafford is sincere in what she says, 
she is sincere that Black Lives Matter. She would do everything that she could to rectify this situation. She would fight the fight alongside Victoria Rowe and do everything that she could to make sure that Victoria Rowe found her place again on daytime, on the Young and the Restless. This is a character that brought so much to the show. And even now, people are asking for her. And she left in 2007. That shows you what she brought. Mm -hmm. Where are you, Michelle Stafford? If you are sincere, you have seen the error of your ways. Go to the execs at Sony. Go to the execs at CBS. Go to the showrunner and say, listen, I want Victoria Rao on this show. This show needs Victoria Rao. Period. The end. There you go. And for anybody out there listening who thinks that Michelle Stafford doesn't have that much power, please look at uh, Gina Tengoni. Right. Please. Okay. She's right. good and unemployed right now because of Michelle Stafford. So she has the power. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as like the, the reason why we're talking about this because of uh, Mr. Corian. I just want to point out to a couple, just one quick thing. Corian didn't say anything outlandish in that tweet other than, you know, I don't think Michelle's the reason. Well, she wasn't fired. She just left as far as Victoria. She just couldn't come back. Yeah. That was my one edit. That, that was, was the one. one, edit that's one. Everything else was genuine. Like he didn't say she was racist. She said that given your history, this is the bare minimum that you could do right now saying, Oh yeah, I agree. And then going on about your day. That's the bare minimum that you could do. And as far as Victoria Rowell, I listening to Trish talk about, you know, Drusilla, Barbara Winters, it almost makes me a little emotional because that was the first character Very that I saw, I saw mm -hmm. that looked like me growing up as well. Mm -hmm. And when she came on screen, I was just like, I had never seen anything like, because at the time I was watching the soap opera that I've watched the longest is Days of Our Lives. But before Lexi came on Days of Our Lives, I don't think there was anybody over there that looked like me. So when I turned to CBS and I saw Miss Miss uh, uh, Drusilla, I was just enamored with her. Yes. So to have something so special and have something like that so ingrained in your childhood and in your identity and something that you look towards ripped away from you and everybody telling you you're wrong for wanting it back it's a little it's it's maddening it really is because like i said before like i said on twitter her story has never changed she has been saying right. the same, same thing. Exact thing for 12 years 12 13 years she's been saying it and yes she's taken a couple of detours along the way <laughs> Some of which I don't always agree with. <laughs> said the same thing that this is a problem. And I fell into that. Just shut up. Just same. shut up. I fell into that. I mm -hmm. wanted her to shut the hell up because I thought same. if you shut up, you can come back. Right. <laughs> so please drop the lawsuit, drop the accusations, drop everything, toe the line, be the good girl that they want you to be so I can get my favorite character back. And I was dead wrong for that. Dead yeah. wrong. <laughs> I was too. I was too. I, I I I remember we got into she and I got into a discussion about this on Twitter and then she blocked me. I'm blocking Auntie, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> but I I was like you actually. I was just kind of like, you know, why are you making such a fuss? Like if we want you back on the show, just 
just go on and get along. Just be mm-hmm. quiet. Mm-hmm. And I realize now how wrong I was. And, and I blame that on my, on my youth and my naivety, right? I didn't know that what she was fighting for was the right thing. Mm. Well, and when you... yeah, I was just going to say, well, here's the thing. Like, what we, especially people in our generation, we grew up with a sort of, like, a Black renaissance, Like, we were around where Black people were cool, but, like, also respected. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think what we have come to realize over time is that that period of being respected was really just a period of people studying our culture to reproduce it in a whitewashed, watered-down way, as they do now. And... Wow. You know, like it, we woke up to that. Obviously, from you know our mentions with a lot of black faces that you know uh. were caping for the other side, <laughs> we we see that a lot of people haven't fully woken up yet. But Corey, when you brought up that tweet, yeah, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, but no, I was just I was just gonna say when you brought up that tweet about Michelle. That brought me back. That gave me a flashback to that spit right. take. I, I was just going to ask you about and that. And I just that brought me back. I, I that brought me back to anger. I was like, oh, oh yeah, you did spit in her face, right? Because you you and forget I about remember it. that. I remember it. It, mm-hmm. it brought me back. It's like it's we're so conditioned. Uh, like everyone thing, was saying, like. Yeah, We're so conditioned to thinking it. that like Victoria Rowe is like crazy like and like you forget what CBS is doing. You're using the wedding of Drew and Neil. You're using the Winter's Week to promote yourself, and I'm just like, but she's not good enough to come back to the show. Like, which is it? And, and, and wasn't wasn't okay. Winter's Week one of the first focus weeks the that they did? One, and it was terrible. <laughs> okay, I, I, I knew I knew it was early on. Here's the thing about Victoria Rao. Only one of yeah, pretty much. Here's the thing about Victoria Rao. Everything that she has ever said about daytime Hollywood has been repeated over and over and over again by black actresses on all shows. It's no different than what Candace Patton said. Mm-hmm. It's no different from same what thing. the lady on mm-hmm. Hollywood said. It's the same thing. So, click, mm-hmm. I mean, every black woman in Hollywood is not in some collusion and they've gotten together their talking point and come up with this whole agenda and say, this is what's happening. Right. This is legitimate. It is happening. Victoria right. was yeah. right. Yeah. No. But I always knew that because we see it. Right? The only difference the audience. Yep. yep. Yep, we see it in color every day. We see it in color every day when we watch TV. And and because ever, of her speaking so, up and how, speaking out, you have people like Peter Bergman, acclaimed right. actor Peter Bergman, uh, saying stuff yeah. like, "quote I look at her with compassion and concern. I don't think she's playing with a full deck." Oh, God. Mm. right. I that. <laughs> and I was done with Peter Bergman that day. I was done with Peter Bergman that day. And so I, wanna, then, I want to ask a question to all of you. I want to, if we had known what we know now, you know, we've seen all of these things that Victoria Rawl has said literally come true 
you know, come out of the darkness. All of these things have just like been unveiled to us over the years. If we had known what we knew then, how do you think you would have handled the situation better? Like, do you think you would have rallied behind her? Would you have been there like, you know, sending these letters of protest rather than sitting there and agreeing and thinking that she's a crazy person? Well, so Absolutely. I never thought she was crazy. I yeah. always rally. You, you know, you could find me on many message boards fighting <laughs> the good fight. I never wavered. Yes. Right? I never wavered. Now, I mean, there was a time like Ashley where I was like, please, please, Victoria, just don't say anything. Maybe you can come back. I understand. But I never thought that what she was saying wasn't factual. I always knew it was true. And I, and I always stood behind her. I mean, believe me, I've gotten put off of Soap Central, so they know. <laughs> they know. Um, I, I, I would definitely have handled it differently. You know, I always agreed that there was validity to what she was saying, but my criticism was always couched with, but there's a way to go about it. And I think mm -hmm. the way you're going about it is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that I would have changed. I was still working at soap opera network when this happened. And I would have used the platform that I had to advocate stronger for her. I would have utilized soap opera source when we launched that in the years when she attended the Emmys and she would talk about this. And mm -hmm. in 2010, when Peter Bergman disparaged her in an interview with Nelson Branco, I would have used our platform to defend her instead of going, well, Maybe he has a point because of how she went about it. No, I would have defended her and I would have supported her. And I can't take that back. I can't, I can't, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. But I would have been a much more stronger, more vocal ally of her because one thing about soap press, soap media, contrary to what some people like to say, we're just bloggers, fans with a platform. You know, we, we work hard to get the access that we do. And access journalism is very, very much a part of what we do. But we do have platforms. And we do have a, a voice and an opportunity. And as Black people, a lot of times we kind of tame that down as to not offend the masses, right? We don't want to make things too Black. We don't want to make things too much of a racial issue. But I would. I would make mm -hmm. it a racial issue. I would loudly defend her and proudly defend her because no one else was doing it. And when you have Soap Opera Digest running blind items or anonymous reports about how, quote, there's no room at YNR for Victoria Rowell. Oh, God. You know, there's a lot of things that those magazines knew about and covered up because it was important to protect the genre, right? You can't have anything that makes the genre look bad. No, fire the sexual harassers and the racists and the bigots that work at your shows, whether they're actors, it paired with interracial people and an interracial couple whose <laughs> fan bases love them so much, or your, <laughs> you know, foreign actors who come here and marry a person of color and think somehow that that allows you to say racist shit on your Instagram. Fire <laughs> them. There have to be held accountable for the things that happen. And then maybe your people of color will, will feel safe. Yeah. Maybe they will feel like they're valued and appreciated. What about you, Rodrigo? I just think Victoria would just, if I had to take it back, I would have definitely stood by her. I think I'm 
agreement with a, a lot of you when I said when she was, I just wanted her to just not to say too much because I just want her to stay on the show. I didn't want her off the show. I want her to come back. I wanted her, I wanted Drusilla back, but I didn't understand it at the time. And now that my eyes are wide open, I can see now that she was a trailblazer. She was ahead of her time. She was speaking out when no one wanted to have her back. And, you know, you may not have agreed with her methods, but if that's the way she had to do it to get some attention to this cause, I mean, more power to her. So I would have handled it so much differently than back then. I stand behind her. I've always stood behind her. Um, it would be a dream for her to come back, but uh, you know, I mean, dream. I know. I don't know. It would be so. A dream wonderful. is but a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I've always dreamed of having Drusilla back when Hillary was playing Neil and and um, and and Devon. What would have been if she were were there? Like I've always imagined, like Michelle Morgan and Victoria Raul going head to head again. Oh, that would have been that, like that orgasmic. Would, yes. <laughs> yes, I've always that would have been show. Watching, you could still you could still do that. You could still do that, but I don't know. You got a few. Yeah. You got a few bad eggs and weeds to root out before. before I'm happens. sure Victoria feels comfortable to even yeah. think about going back there. But well, yeah, I really want. I really I, wanted I, to talk about. I'm um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Well, I just kind of wanted to say that if you know I had it to do over, I, I'm not sure that I would change most of it because I have always supported her. I've always believed her. I've always said, "Yeah, she's right." I would have mm -hmm. obviously taken away the "just shut up" to 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 get along because that's just the respectability politics that a lot of us black folks in the corporate world have been conditioned to let's be honest yeah. i get on some of these zoom calls and i have to reel it the hell in <laughs> you know every time my job but <laughs> i i think that you know i i tried to use the platform you know that ryan gave me as much as as well as i could you know as far as a couple of articles that i did about and i this pissed people off even the black people the article that i did that says the cbs daytime have a, a black woman issue Black women were in my mentions like, how how could you say this? We have Lily and we have Hillary. Mm -hmm. I'm like, read oh, that article because in the article I said, yes, they're there, but look at how they're written. That's what I said. And nobody, everybody was like, how dare you? Whatever. Um, right. So I would have been more vocal on that. Uh, one of the most interesting, insightful uh, interviews that I ever did about race was with a white man. Okay. <laughs> this was, um, what's his name from Bold and the Beautiful? Um, oh, Jacob, Jacob yeah, Young, right? Yeah, Jacob Young spilled so much tea for me that day. I was he, like, was, you, he was very he, loose lipped. He was very <laughs> loose lipped. It was like, yeah, black people ain't treated right over here. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. I'll check that off. All right. But, um, you know, I, as far as her coming back, obviously that's not going to happen. But, you know, I, I do support her and I, I do believe her. And like I said, she, her story her never story wavered. Yeah. Like like I what Drew said, I, I, I don't think it's too late. I mean, I mean, showrunner, CBS, Sony, do you care about your show or don't you? Mm -hmm. It's not it's not too late. I mean, bringing her back now when you do have Michelle Morgan and you have Brittany Starby and then you have Crystal Khalil 
who's, you know, spending more and more time there. They need a matriarch. Who better than Victoria Rao playing yourself? Put your money where your mouth is. But even more so than that, even more so than that, put your respect on her name and bring her back. But make sure you respect her. Yes. And I think that that kind of brings me towards one of our final points. You know, Martha Madison, who plays Belle on Days of Our Lives, and I know Ashley's still mad about it, who plays <laughs> Belle on Days of Our Lives. Not um, my Belle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's an ally. I apologize. <laughs> uh, she made a tweet that was liked by very many stars, where basically she said, anyone who is in this industry who has a platform and is not supporting this matter, just know that we're all watching you. So I really want to to just pass around this question. Have you been keeping tabs on who's been saying something and who hasn't spoken up? Like, how has that been going for you? Because I know know there are some people who have spoken up who probably shouldn't, like Camilla Banis. Um, (laughs) That was a big shot in the foot. But I want to know, like, have you guys been keeping tabs on all of this? Yes and no. And let me tell you why that is. Um, (laughs) I can can look at your tweets, your timeline, your Instagram, and I can say, oh, that's nice. You seem to be an ally. But I, this is, I I hate to be, you know, you know, throw out a blanketed statement, but I'm going to anyway. I do not, in my heart of hearts, believe that any white actor or actress in daytime has ever advocated for black representation in this genre prior to 14 days ago. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. So I can see your tweets and I can see that you're Mm -hmm. supportive, but I can't go back and say, wow, I wonder if Martha ever asked for more black people on the show or if she's ever said, hey, you know, maybe we should go a different route with this. You know, maybe we should get Claire and Theo together more often on screen because mm-hmm. Theo's black and we need the representation. Like, I don't believe that that's ever happened. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was their responsibility to do so. You're supposed to, in Hollywood, I mean, shit, in Hollywood, you're supposed to advocate for yourself and nobody else, right? Right. So I understand that. And I'm not saying that everybody's being disingenuous. And I'm not saying that everybody's being self-serving. What I'm saying is that it's just damn convenient that now everybody's speaking up with a problem that's so ingrained in the daytime. This isn't anything new. I know they saw it prior to this. I know they they knew that it existed prior to this. So I'm having a hard time looking at their tweets and going, I believe you're an ally. I just, it's very difficult for me. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I'm a pessimist. I already said that. Well, I feel that. I, I, I feel that. I'm, I'm kind of like Ashley with yes and no. Um, no, because, you know, I, I, you know, anybody who knows me or follow me on Twitter, they know I don't really care about these white characters or the actual actors <laughs> anyway. So I specifically watch, and I, I mean, it's honest. I'm honest. I specifically watch the soap <laughs> for the black characters. Is why I started watching it, and it's why I continue to watch it whenever I deign to watch. But um, so it doesn't really matter to me whether they do or they don't, because I'm not one of those people who helped make their career. I'm not. I'm, I'm not one of those black women that will spend more time advocating for mm. Steve Burton than I will for Brian James. That's Ooh. not me. I was Ooh. never that person. 
I'm not that person that's going to advocate for Clebanus and pretend like South Towers doesn't exist. I'm not that person. So mm -hmm. I don't really care whether they do or they don't. Now, however, I understand that, you know, people are waking up, right? They're waking up. So whether they did in the past, it's in the past, water in the bridge. What are you going right. to do for me now? What are you going Period. to do for your co-stars going forward? Are you going to do the same thing? Are you going to go in and get script after script, story after story, and watch them in the corner do nothing? Even though they're just as talented, has just as big of a fan base, what are you going to do? Period. Mm. Great point. And I, th I, I think... Um, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Um, I was going to say um, yes and no as well. Um, I see it if it comes up in the timeline. I haven't really been online that much, but if I see it, sure. But I don't go out and seek it. And part of it is I don't give a shit. I don't particularly care what your opinion is about Black Lives Matter. I don't care what your opinion is about that because did you, were you voicing this opinion prior to two weeks ago? Were, like Ashley said, have you used your platform to try to advocate for others? Like it's, it's nice to have allies, that's great. But at what point are you going to also show yourself to be problematic as fuck? And then I have to stop dealing with you because that's the place that I'm at with people right now. One, we all know everybody who's black is told all skin folk ain't kin folk. Okay. We know that. Ooh. And people, and let's be clear, people of color, we're not all allies. Okay. Because yeah. there, there, there are certain privileges that you, that some of y'all are afforded that black women and black men are not. And I'm noticing more and more when the shit hits the fan, which quote unquote people of color are silent and which ones are not. And as someone who is just tired, I don't care. I don't. I don't care what your opinions are. I don't want you to speak up for me or my people. I, I just don't. I just want you to mind your business. I want you to not be afraid of me when I go to a store or to not follow Ashley when she's shopping or Trish when she's shopping or Rodrigo when he's going to a grocery store or Corian when he's looking for furniture. I don't want, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, just let us have our space. Let us have our space because this is not about you. This is not about you showing how woke you are or repping your grandma Ooh. who was a liberal <laughs> fighter back in the 60s. I don't give a shit. This is not about you because you've had plenty of opportunities to, vo to, to voice your, your opinion and you were silent. Yeah, and let's be very clear about something. Black Lives Matter did not just pop up out of the blue two right? weeks ago. Yeah. I don't recall seeing any of this shit when this happened after Mike Brown was murdered. Between 2014 and 2016, Black Lives Matter was like, you you that was like, they named that a terrorist organization. Yeah. You couldn't right. believe that. You couldn't right. believe that. You, that was a huge no-no mm -hmm. back then. And everybody towed the line with it. But now all of a sudden, oh, oh, there's more people who are in agreement with this. Now maybe I can actually say something. Okay, I feel safe mm -hmm. now. Like, I've seen all the bullshit. Come on now. <laughs> right. it's, like, it's like politicians, right? They live and die by the polls. So you have these actors, actresses, they're living and dying by sentiment, right? So now, because Black Lives Matter is easy to say, and more people care about Black Lives, so here I am now saying it. I don't have to worry about offending as many people. Exactly. It doesn't matter that half my fan base 
who made my career, mm-hmm. they're black. It doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and from what I hear, some people can't even be paid to say Black Lives Matter. I was just going you know, to say. With the ghetto clinks, whatever. They can't even be paid. I'm not just the, going not, to say. Not the clanks, honey. Not the clanks. <laughs> <laughs> not the clanks. So which which doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, I think I that... got my chicken and watermelon. Hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> you got fried chicken I, for that? He, oh, he, here's, here, here's my, my only thing is I want, the, I want the black fans, the black viewers who watch these daytime shows to wake up. Mm-hmm. Stop propping up these white actors and actresses that don't Ooh. care about you. Yeah. And obviously, obviously Latina. Also, but stop propping them up. They are the reason you're you're the reason that they have twenty five episode counts. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're this the is, reason. So Trish must be psychic because <laughs> Trish must be psychic because she brought it home to my final thought that I want to pose to everyone here. Basically, you know, in a world like you were saying, where you see that some of some people's, not mine, I think Ryan's, favorite soap stars can't even <laughs> be paid to, to support a Black person in a paid, like, a paid capacity. I paid you to make this content for me, and you cannot say it. You know, how are you all, as soap opera fans, managing your own hopes and dreams and aspirations for your favorite genre that has historically never cared about you? <laughs> I believe it was famous WWE wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin who said it best. Don't trust anybody. I, there, this, these incidents have allowed these Anglo-Saxons to show their natural Caucasian asses. And it has shown me that we put too much stake in liking and standing for people who we don't know. Mm -hmm. And my thing is I can fuck with you from a distance and I can watch your movies or maybe not, you know, I can, I can be like, Oh, you're cool, whatever, whatever. But I don't want to get to know you anymore. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to, I don't really want to know who you are as a person because at some point you will inevitably let me down by Mm -hmm. saying something ignorant due to a lack of education, lack of knowledge, ignorant because you're a bigot and a racist or a sexist or a turf, or you're just going to be offensive. And I am tired of it. They they always say, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes because your heroes will let you down. I I think that's true. There are people who we hold high in high regard or value them because they play fictional versions of people we like on TV. But the people that we like on TV are not the people that they are offset. And I'm learning more and more and more, whether you are Chloe Lanier or Ingo Rodmacher or J.K. Rowling or any of these singers and all the models who just put their foot in it. I don't care. I, I I don't want to care about you anymore because you 
don't see me. You don't see who I am. You don't see my struggles. You don't see our struggles that we have to do with this people, that we are literally out here begging to not be killed for living, existing, minding our black ass business. Mm -hmm. And y'all still can't bother to understand the concept that until black lives matter, all lives can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Precisely. Um, so one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to every week is it's called The Read. It's with Crystal and Kid Fury. Last week, um, Kid Fury had a little bit of an issue because he's such a huge everybody knows he's the biggest Trina stan on the planet. Nobody loves Trina the rapper more than Kid Fury. And Trina stuck her foot in her goddamn mouth. Uh-huh. And everybody was yeah. like, man, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? And he said something that is so poignant. I have retweeted it twice. I will retweet it again if y'all need to hear it. <laughs> there is not a celebrity on the planet who I love more than black life and the preservation of it. You need mm-hmm. to understand that when I say that. There's not a celebrity, a TV show, an actor, a singer, the Pope, nobody exists in this world who I love more than people who look like me being represented and being alive to enjoy it. Nobody. So when these p- actors come out and they say stuff, is it disappointing? Yeah. Was I a little bit surprised by Camilla Bannis's comment? Yeah. And by the way, Camilla Bannis, what she put on her IG wasn't the problem. It was her reaction on Twitter that was the problem. Just want to yeah. clear that up. Um, was I surprised? Eh, I was a little disappointed. Sure. But anybody who knows me and knows anything about my soap opera history, you guys know that I have three white faves, just the three, Mora West, Heather Tom, and, um, Peter Reckle. Those are, my three. those are my three. If any of the three of them would have said some bullshit, I would have written them off so goddamn. There wouldn't have been no, well, maybe they meant this. Maybe just, let's, semantics. They didn't quite know what, no. If they would have said some shit that went against the preservation of black human life, I would have dropped them like a fucking stone, period. There's just, I, I don't love anything more than I love my people. I just don't. I'm sorry. So when it comes to your shows, when it comes to your actors, when it comes to your music, whatever, I have no problem walking away from it. And that's another thing that I kind of wish that I had done differently with the Victoria Rouse situation is she said from the jump, this is my plan. Take away your viewership. And eventually, mm-hmm. I did because I haven't watched a full episode in Young and Restless in about a year and a half. So clearly, mm-hmm. I, I did eventually. But at the time she was saying that, you know, Hillary and Devon were very popular. So I couldn't do that at the time. But <laughs> <laughs> I could take away my viewership. I wish I had. But it's, it, it's just there's nothing in the world that is ever going to get me to sway from that. Black Lives Matter. We are valuable. We are precious. We create everything that you're trying to recreate. Mm-hmm. We run all that shit. And there's not a single white entity that's going to change my mind on that. So if I need to stop watching your show, if I need to stop supporting you as a person, I, I, I won't be losing anything at all. Mm-hmm. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Who's well, the real loser in that? <laughs> Go ahead, Trish. So, I, I, I'm, again like Ashley, which is why she's my girl. Um, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I, I, I told you guys at the beginning, you know, 
these white characters, I don't care. I, I don't care. But anyways, am I hopeful or not? Um, no, I have no hope. And it's sad to say, I mean, because, because I know that daytime has been given the roadmap year after year after year. I, I've written them letters with all the stats and, you know, referencing the studies. They don't care, right? They don't want to see space to black lives. They don't, you know, and I, 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 I wish, you know, that things were different. You know, I would love to watch that show again because, again, it's my childhood, you know, but I, I don't see an avenue for me to do that because they're not going to see space. They're just not going to do it. And of course, everybody knows that, I mean, hope for me that that with Hillary and Devon, Devon's arts in 2018, that was it for me. I haven't watched this show, a, a full show since that day. I have not. And, you know, I've watched clips, you know, and maybe I'll fast forward through some stuff sometimes to see what's going on, you know, but otherwise, hope is gone for me. Look, after I'm hoping coming back, they have to show it to me. You have to show me you mean what you say. I'm no longer giving you blind loyalty. Show me you mean it. Look, after attending a week's worth of DC protests, I don't give a damn. If you don't want to come back and do anything for me, I can let you go so fast. Because after what I witnessed, after what I, what I stood for, it forever changed me. And I look at things so much differently now. Um, I'm not going to go crazy over no shows like that anymore. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's above me now. It's like, I don't, if you don't give a fuck about me, I don't give a fuck about you. That's, that's how I feel these days. And I'm not going to waste my dollars, my hard earned dollars to support something that doesn't support me. So like, as you say, we create everything. People want to be us because <laughs> they love our culture. They love our style. Mm -hmm. and it just, it's, it's never enough. And black lives do matter. And all lives can't matter until black lives matter. So that's daytime. Mm -hmm. I you, it don't matter to me if you're not if you're not with us, you're against us. So that's that's where that's where I am at this point. And I'm gonna say, don't say you love our culture. Don't say you love our contributions until you learn to love the bodies behind it and the people who created it. Oh, yes. Because we do matter. And our contributions to society matter. Our contributions to entertainment, to music, to life, to everything matters. Our swagger matters that y'all try to jack and spend thousands of dollars to have surgery to replicate and be basing whole personalities off strong Black women uh, from mm -hmm. reality TV shows, but you hate Black people. It's not adding up. <laughs> it's not. And that's, and, and really, I think what it boils down to is I'm sick of the white gays. And when I say gays, I mean G-A-Z-E. I'm sick of the white gays, G-A-Y-S, too. But the white gays, <laughs> the lens in which we are viewed. Let it out. It's time to shatter it. Shatter the white gays. Break it <laughs> indefinitely, forever. And replace it with 
lenses that better replicate us mm -hmm. and show who we are as a people. The strong, smart, vulnerable, multifaceted, multi-hyphenate people that we are. Humanity. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing those final thoughts. I do, I want to say to close out with my final thought, just really quick, is just what I hope and what I dream to come out of this and what I aspire to be is to be someone who's more engaged with the community. I hope and I dream that more creative Black people are given the option to, if these white showrunners don't want to engage, you know, with our community and don't want to represent us, that we just do it our damn selves. That's what I want to see more of. And I really, really hope that, that that's what we'll be seeing post whatever this revolution is. <laughs> mm -hmm. But again, I wanted to thank everyone here on the panel for, for joining me today. I wanted to thank everyone here for listening. This has been the very first episode of Soapboxing with Corian. I'm super excited to do more of these. I can't wait to, because the Black issue is not the main issue that, you know, there are so many little things that have, you know, that can trickle down from this, this issue. There's so many other things that we can discuss, things in specifics that I know that people are going to really enjoy hearing us break down. So I want you guys to, to stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Again, remember, use the hashtag SoapboxingPod to engage with us. And uh, once again, just going to thank my panel. I'm going to thank Ashley, whom you can follow at RecklessLove with a W on Twitter. Uh, I thank Rodrigo, who you can follow at Rodrigo's World 81. You can follow Ryan at Source Ryan and Trish at Trish underscore all day. And you can follow me as well at Not Corian. Again, this has been Soapboxing with Corian. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.